Hey everyone, welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Happy New Year to everybody once again. It is going to be hopefully a really good year. A lot of hopes, a lot of dreams, a lot of people hoping for a lot of things to turn around, be on the positive upswing. And of course the same in sports as this is a time where a lot of uh, teams, a lot of players are gearing up for, you know, postseason. Of course, the NFL wild card weekend, and you got college football, and the NBA is on its way, and there's a whole lot of other things that are going to be taking place. So, looking forward to getting into all of that, and then some, a lot of good storylines hopefully will come out this year. Um, and I'm going to be hopefully breaking down everything that I can with this new year start. And it's going to be hopefully a fun ride, really important uh, year as well, just in terms of just everybody hopefully getting back to some kind of normalcy or a semblance of it. And hopefully we'll get to see fans later on this year um, or at some point, you know, be able to see sports even get back to where it used to be in terms of the viewership and live audiences and all that so it should be should be fun and hopefully a good thing that will happen later on this year so I'll start off by recapping the college football semifinal games that took place on New Year's Day as we know the college football playoffs have been around for a, a while now and Everybody was like, oh, it's the same teams always every single year. Um, and I think a lot of people who have followed college football or at least have seen some of it have known that Alabama and Clemson have always been um, matching up the last three to four years almost. Um, and now that is a totally different thing because one team um, that has entered the scene now and is hoping to change that narrative is Ohio State. But I'll save that when I get to that in a little bit. So I'll kick off things by talking about the Rose Bowl game. Uh, the first semifinal game, which was between number one Alabama and number four Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The Alabama Crimson Tide won 31-14. to Matt Jones for Alabama, their quarterback, had the more impressive performance as expected, to be honest, with four touchdowns. I mean, he made solid throws all game long. Um, Notre Dame just could not do enough um, in this game to get him, you know, to stop him early on. He just had it going. Um, this offense had it going as they've had all season long. Um, the Notre Dame defense did not have an answer, uh, especially for um, Devonta Smith wide receiver for Alabama who has had one of the best statistical seasons for a wide receiver this year. He had 130 yards receiving in this game, three touchdowns, which is absolutely sensational. Um, Notre Dame just could not contain him. They gave up some big plays um, again and again. And I talked about, you know, Travis, uh, sorry, not Travis. I talked about the running game for both clubs, and Kyron Williams played well, but didn't play as well as you know we were expecting him to play. I think 
you know, seeing the kind of performance he did have against Clemson, you know, long time back, he thought he would be able to do the same thing. Now he never, he never touched on this game, but he didn't do enough. But he wasn't really helped as well by his quarterback Ian Book, who just did not, you know, did not bring the fight, did not bring the energy that that needed to be done. And Brian Kelly definitely did not have a good game plan for this offense. Looking at it. Nigel Harris for Alabama had 125 yards rushing on the ground. He set the tone early for the Crimson Tide, um, and you know they they rode you know Harris in a pretty big way because um, you know Jones was able to get some good throws after that. Um, and Alabama offensive line did a good job of keeping him. Um, you know, upright, and, and then, you know, he wasn't pressured a whole lot either. Um, and if he was, then the O-line of Alabama really did a good job for protecting him throughout the game, which usually they have done um, all season long. So, yeah, back to Notre Dame for a second. You know, Ian Buck and Kyron Williams, they didn't do enough on offense to make this game, like, interesting, you know. Book, I think, did not have a touchdown um, in terms of passing. He did not have a passing touchdown. I think he did end up scoring a late touchdown, um, which you know kind of came after the point after the game was kind of decided. Um, he did commit a turnover in this game, and it was the only turnover in this game. Is interception. It's all about execution, and Brian Kelly and this team, uh, the Irish did not execute. Did not execute in terms of playmaking offensively on the outside. Uh, Javon McKinley did not have a big game, nor did anybody else really do a whole lot of damage when they had to do do anything. And you know, everybody had talked about Notre Dame and being this being a different team. Their defense didn't get a turnover. They didn't. They weren't aggressive enough. They didn't get stops on Alabama. They didn't really challenge Alabama. The closest the game got was 14-7. to After that, then it was just a pretty much a runaway by Alabama. Um, and Ian Book, you know, I talked about him being efficient and accurate and, and really stepping up. I mean, I don't think he really challenged Alabama at all. Or if he did try doing that during, during the game, he wasn't successful. And he wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough when they needed him to be good enough. And the game was getting out of hand. I talked about Ian Book being able to match Alabama with score for score, trying to compete with Mac Jones. And Ian Book just did, did not do that. Um, the running game, you know, was okay, but not not, not the best. But they didn't have the, that huge kind of running game support. And Ian Book didn't make enough throws. You know, he wasn't looking good. And they could not get a spark. They could not find an offensive rhythm going. As a result, the defense was out on the field a lot more than they anticipated. I think that's where things kind of get lost, is that Alabama was on the field a lot on offense. And Notre Dame's defense was out there like almost every possession. But they could not do anything to make the game interesting. They could not get enough stops, get a fumble or anything. So... You know, if Alabama plays a mistake-free game, if they don't turn the ball over, you can't beat Alabama. And I think that the play calling on defense 
was a little bit soft at times. I think they gave too much cushion to the receivers of, of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and the rest is history. I mean, the experience really showed up, to be honest. To put, to put it, to put it, um, to put it, you know, point blank, Alabama's experience of playing in the college football semifinals and all these games they have played over the years, it really showed up because they really were patient. They took their shots and their, their shots. They never let Notre Dame get into a rhythm, never close the gap. Um, it was ball control and just making sure that Mac Jones was able to just make plays to Devonta Smith over the top, and which he did. So Alabama advances now to the national championship game. Um, and this has probably been one of Nick Saban's best offensive teams in a while. Uh, and this team has it all. I mean, they just are really invincible. If they have good protection for their running game and Mac Jones, uh, I mean, it's just truly remarkable what he has done um, in terms of this offense. And I mean, you got to give credit to the offensive, uh, sorry, the offensive coordinator of Alabama, Steve Sarkeesian, who I'll get into a little bit later this week. I mean, the play calling, the execution. Alabama did it, you know, they did it in a way in which Notre Dame could not. Nick Saban outcoached Brian Kelly once again. Um, and Brian Kelly can talk about a lot of different things he wants to, but the execution, the lack of big plays in the passing game really hurt Notre Dame's chances of winning this game. Um, but now they do have something there. Depends on who comes back, who goes. Um, but Notre Dame did prove that they were one of the good teams this year. Um, I think they have a lot of work to do, obviously. Um, but, you know, this game just came down to experience, came down to big play, ability in Alabama with their offense. They just have too many playmakers. Uh, and as long as Devonta Smith is having a game like this, there's nothing that can really stop Alabama from winning the national championship game. Now the second game that took place, which was later in the night, was the number uh, number two Clemson Tigers against the number three Ohio State Buckeyes in the All-State Sugar Bowl. And this game was talked about a whole lot. A lot of people, a lot of analysts went with the Clemson Tigers to win this game because Trevor Lawrence, Dabo Sweeney, the experience and all those things came into factor. But boy, were a lot of analysts proved wrong. A lot of teams, a lot of, an, a lot of people who you know, didn't give Ohio State a chance um, really <laughs> got showed up um, in this game because the Buckeyes pull off the upset 49 to 28. Now, I had picked Ohio State to win wasn't totally convinced of that pick, but I made it anyways because I felt like they had a chance to upset the Clemson Tiger after all this chatter about not being a team that belongs in the college football playoffs. And this team played lesser games than the SEC competition. And, oh, they, you know, a lot of other teams got punished for playing more games. And everybody kept on saying stuff about Ohio State. And I was just like, at some point, this team's going to use that motivation. And boy, did they do because the Buckeyes avenged their loss to the Clemson Tigers from last year. Um, a sensational performance 
for Justin Fields, who had six touchdowns in the game. Uh, the game was tied in the first quarter, but after that, Ohio State dominated and outplayed Clemson in every way that you could imagine. I mean, Clemson could not get anything going on offense. Three and outs, three and outs. And Justin Fields just turned it on. I mean, he made one throw after another. Clemson could not get anything um, going on defense. They could not get a stop. They allowed big play after another. And Justin Fields just really stepped up and played the kind of game that reminds people of why he's a top prospect in the 2021 NFL Draft, why he is one of the best quarterbacks who, if he does opt out and, and you know goes for the NFL this year, which he's probably going to do, uh, you know, he really proved something with that. Had some good accuracy on his throws, some deep range throws, uh, really never let Clemson's defense harass him too much to the point uh, where, you know, he was off his game. Now, he did get hurt a little bit in this game, um, but, you know, those kind of plays that are called for targeting and all that, it's kind of tough, you know, to call. Um, but he really stepped up and played a huge game. He had to play a huge game for Ohio State to win and pull off the upset. Jeremiah Ruckard caught a couple of touchdowns, the tight end for Ohio State, and Chris Olave, the best wide receiver for Ohio State, who wasn't able to play actually in, in the Big Ten title game. He really stepped up and had a huge game, 132 yards receiving, two touchdowns. So he actually showed up more than, than, than Greg Wilson, who I thought was going to have a good game. So, you know, Olave came back and, boy, he did not miss a beat. He played really, really, really well. Whether Dabo Sweeney admits it or not, his comments did light a fire under Ohio State. Not that Ohio State needed extra motivation after the loss they had last year uh, to Clemson when they led you know, 16 to nothing and lost 29-23. Um, but those comments, whether Dabble's winning admits it or not, he was trying to obviously rile up his team and motivate his own team. Um, but I think he did it in a way in which Ohio State just took it, man. And he, he had to know this. You know, he, he, he doesn't regret his comments. You know, Sweeney's not the kind of coach that will, like, you know, backtrack on what he says. But whether he admits it or not, those comments weren't smart to make when he made them. Um, because, you know, somewhere or another, it ended up being, you know, one of the smallest reasons, maybe, why Clemson lost this game. But the fact that Ohio State outplayed um, Clemson in the second quarter, they paced themselves. They played ahead with the lead. And that's the biggest thing. Ohio State was not down trailing in this game. They were trailing in this game against Trevor Lawrence and, you know, Dabo Sweeney. Then you could say that, okay, maybe they won't be able to come back and score points. But they, they led this game pretty much after the second quarter because they got to a 35-14 to 14 lead at halftime, and the rest is history. Now, speaking of, you know, you know, Trevor Lawrence and that comes his offense. Ohio State did the one thing that a lot of teams were trying to do this year, limit possessions. And so Trevor Lawrence had an okay-ish kind of game, not the best game for Trevor Lawrence. But what they did, you know, what Ohio State did really, really well, they ran the ball, first of all, well with Trey Sermon, I mean, who had over like 100 yards rushing or even more than that, actually. They kept Clemson's offense pretty much 
off the field. They limited the number of possessions that Clemson had. People do not realize that you know a lot of games this year in Clemson that they played, they had so many possessions in every single game that they were able to just score and outscore their opponents by you know 10, 14, 21. But Ohio State with running the football, being able to score and get ahead in the lead. They really limited Clemson's number of possessions and Trevor Lawrence's ability to be, be out there a whole lot more than he usually was. And that was, that, that's what happens in, in a big kind of game is that, you know, certain teams have a strategy. And so Ohio State dominated the time possession. They kept Trevor Lawrence and that offense off the field just enough to disrupt their offensive rhythm. So when then, when then, when Clemson tried to make a comeback in the second half, Trevor Lawrence couldn't get it going because Ohio State's pass rush was able to get to him, cause some fumbles, which he did lose one of those fumbles. But they were able to get pressure on him um, at the right time late in this game. Now, Trevor Lawrence had 400 yards passing, two touchdowns interception. He isn't the reason why Clemson lost this game. The reason why they lost this game is one, the defense gave up almost 600 yards of offense. Could not get a turnover, could not get a pass rush, could not get anything, could not get a stop pretty much in this game. Number two, Travis Etienne did not play as well as I thought he would play. And I know he is going to be a good back in the NFL, but in this game, he just did not have it going. He had some cramping issues early on, but he did not play well, play well enough on the running game to give Trevor Lawrence a little bit of a breather. Trevor Lawrence threw it a lot. I think against Ohio State, you know, Etienne only had 32 yards rushing. I think 64 yards receiving. I mean, those numbers aren't going to get you, you know, on par with Ohio State. Etienne had to play better. I mean, Cornell Powell showed up with a big game for Clemson, but outside of him, no wide receiver for Clemson made an impact in this game. Um, the offense just was not there because they were on the on the field a whole lot, and Lawrence tried to do a whole lot of things, you know, overcompensate for, for a lot of things, and it just did not work. So Etienne did not play well. The running game was not a factor. The defense gave up, gave a big play after big play, and that really hurt them in this game. To be honest, the old line struggled against Ohio State. Uh, you know, Clemson gave up. I think. I think 254 yards rushing to Trey Sermon. So the old line of Ohio State really dominated Clemson's defensive line. Um, you know, and that was really the, the difference of the game. It was just that the running game was more dominant. Running game for Ohio State was more dominant than Clemson. Justin Fields put on a show with his six touchdown performance where Lawrence had two. And Fields just really made some really good throws, escaped some pressure. He brought his A game. His wide receiver stepped up and played well. And what a game by, by Ryan Day. The kind of coaching that he did, especially on defense. Uh, the defensive coordinator played, called a good game. Uh, they really did a good job of just pacing this game in which they, le- they led in this game. They kept control of this game. Never let themselves you know, get fall behind or anything like that. They they worked hard in this game, kept it competitive, and Justin Fields really stepped up and really made a name for himself. And I mean, it was just an impressive performance. 
by everybody on Ohio State. Um, playing lesser games, not being able to, you know, to practice so much with the COVID and all those kind of things. They really made a statement to a lot of teams who thought that they shouldn't have gotten into the college football playoffs. Yes, the requirement was you know, adjusted for them, and yes, more teams play more games. But Ohio State proved why they belonged in the college football playoff with the win over Clemson. They really came out with that mentality to attack, be aggressive, and huge credit to Ryan Day and Justin Fields for delivering one of the best performances we've seen in the college football playoffs history. So in this segment, I want to go ahead and recap NFL Week 17 as the NFL regular season came to an end for a lot of teams. Um, And, you know, what a season it was for some clubs. You know, expectations record-wise, success-wise. Obviously, the teams that are playing for the prize for the Super Bowl championship postseason are looking to, you know, do more and get it going this time of the year. Other teams are cleaning house, big decisions coming up, and some have already been made already across the NFL circles earlier today. So it's going to be a unique, uh, unique NFL postseason with Super Wildcard Weekend and, you know, the rest that follows. And then you have the NFL coaching carousel and some teams starting to prep already or in the the beginning stages of prepping for what they will do when the new league year begins and when they have free agency and training camp. Or, sorry, not training camp, free agency and just NFL draft. So week 17, uh, you know, was pretty wild. In some respects, you know, a lot of teams that were on the upswing kind of disappointed. Some other teams really uh, showed out and proved why they are contenders. And other teams kind of in the middle about what they're going to do in their future. So the Miami Dolphins lost to the Buffalo Bills 56-26. I did not expect that kind of score, to be honest, from the Bills and Dolphins game. Buffalo did not rest their starters until later on in the second half, I believe. But, you know, Miami just got really uh, blown out, outplayed um, from the beginning of the game, to be honest. Dolphins and Tua were not able to keep up with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, who has made a pretty good case for himself to be considered in the MVP conversation, although we know it will come down to Aaron Rodgers probably getting it over Patrick Mahomes or vice versa, but I think Rodgers will get it most likely depending on the numbers. Um, Tua threw it 58 times um, yesterday. That is not a formula for him um, to be successful with. Of course, they want him to drop back and throw, yes, um, but not that much. And the lack of a Dolphins running game really hurt him as well. Uh, he did have three interceptions, which was not a good thing. 
Fitzpatrick was not able to play because he tested positive for COVID-19. Could it have made a different outcome? Possibly, but this wasn't Brian Flores' best coaching performance on defense in his, in his career here in Miami. I mean, the Bills just got whatever they wanted to get. Allen was just too good all game long until he, you know, was replaced or substituted. Uh, but the Dolphins are not a team that can be good um, in terms of playing from behind. I mean, they have to be able to play defense. They got to be able to run the football and keep the ball with them. And Tua was just not able to do so much. Uh, with his possessions, they were three of fourteen on third down. They had four total turnovers. Um, you know that won't get you done against the Buffalo Bills. And so Miami, thanks to Miami's loss, the Colts were able to get in. The Buffalo Bills, to be honest, seem primed to be great um, this postseason. But the biggest question remains: is can this team win? Uh, with a questionable running game, running game and the ability to close out a game in crunch time. We know what happened last year. You know, the Bills had the lead and then it all went away. So, can they find a way to win without running the ball particularly well? We're going to find out. Can Josh Allen be, be you know, be, be, you know, big time? We're going to find out. A lot of questions about Josh Allen still, even with his, you know, impressive season he's had here with Buffalo Bills. It all comes down to him winning the postseason and he will have a you know decent foe to go up against um, in wildcard weekend which I will cover up later on in this cover later this week. The Ravens have also clinched their spot in the AFC playoffs with the win over the Cincinnati Bengals. It was pretty much expected you know for the Ravens to do that. 30-3 the Ravens have been playing their best football at the right time. I was wrong about them in the sense that, you know, I didn't think they were going to be able to, you know, able to get out of this funk. And they did. You know, they they found a way to get out of this funk. I didn't believe that they were one of those teams that could really, like, challenge anybody in the AFC after the losing streak they had going on and some of the games they lost. But they've turned it around quietly. Um, and Lamar Jackson has been playing well. But... Once again, it's all about the Ravens and their passing game. The running game we know was dominant last year as well, but that didn't do so well against Tennessee um, in that playoff game. The passing game is what really needs to show up for the Ravens. And so while Jackson ran the ball well against the Bengals and as expected, Ravens defense has to obviously come up and play big. And we're going to see if they can do that because... We are getting the rematch between the Ravens and the Titans in the wildcard weekend. And I'm sure the Ravens have been looking forward to this game for a long time. So, you know, Jackson and Harbaugh versus, you know, Vrabel, Derrick Hendry, um, you know, Ryan Tannehill. That is going to be a really good game um, to, to look out for. The passing game is something that has to be taken into consideration for this game as well. The Cleveland Browns finally ended their playoff drought, making the postseason for the first time since 2002 with a 24-22 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even though the Steelers didn't play Ben Roethlisberger, um, they did end up playing some of their offensive stars in this game. 
the Browns just made the most out of their possessions. They kept the game in their favor with having a lead. Uh, Mayfield was able to make some really good throws um, on time, on schedule. Some plays were, you know, he could play even more better in terms of passing yards and performance, but he did just enough to keep the chains moving. Nick Chubb with over 100 yards rushing. Uh, he was sensational. Um, but Mayfield and Chubb and this offense seemed to have it going. They were able to put up points. Steelers put forth a good effort there as well. You know, they didn't play everybody, obviously, but you know, they were a two-point conversion away from tying this game. You know, just didn't uh, work out after they got the touchdown pass to Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, so now these teams will be meeting again next week, uh, which will be even more um, interesting now that, you know, they split the regular season here. But the Browns, you know, they played good this year. They really stepped it up. You gotta give credit to Kevin Stefanski and Mayfield and this talent for getting it together, getting things done on time. Execution was great, and they are in the postseason now. Now, will they last long? We don't really know yet, but they got a running game. They got a defense that can be good with Denzel Ward, Olivia Vernon, you know. So, it's gonna be, uh, you know, Miles Garrett. It's going to be really, really important to see how the Browns do. But for Mayfield to make that next big jump, uh, he's going to have to really step it up next week in the passing game because the Steelers can't put up points, we know, in a hurry uh, with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm. So it will be imperative that the Browns, you know, I'm sure they enjoyed this one. You know, they obviously ended their postseason drought which was a big thing, you know, on their franchise. But now they got to see if they can find a way to be competitive in a playoff game now um, and against their arch rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is great to see Kevin Stefanski, you know, be successful this year with the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, his coaching really has made a difference in terms of the Browns team. You know, Mayfield has shown improvement uh, in terms of lottery areas. And, you know, this offense um, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you know, they keep these guys going, pay them well, uh, and, and keep trying to develop talent. I think the Browns will have something to say maybe more in the years to come within their division. The Packers clinched the number one seed. In the NFC, we had a 35-16 to win of the Chicago Bears. Aaron Rodgers had four touchdown passes. Devontae Adams played well. Uh, Adams has been one of the best, or the best wide receiver in terms of production this year. I mean, he's been at an all-time high in terms of production. And, you know, Rodgers has found a new weapon in Robert Tonian, a tight end. So the Packers were clicking on offense. They were, you know, a little bit down early against the Chicago Bears, but they turned it around, um, you know. And we expect great things from this Packers offense and Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, you just want to see them be able to have success 
and, and get back to the NFC Championship game. I did not think they would get back to the NFC Championship game. I'll be the first to admit that. I did not think they would get back to the NFC Championship game. And, you know, I'm going to stand by that. But now with the number one seed and having a bye weekend and one playoff game, you know, their chances of making that happen are actually more likely now. But I'll stand by that. I still don't think they'll make it back. <laughs> um, we'll see. I mean, I do want to see Aaron Rodgers do be successful and be great. But, you know, I feel like the Packers, I've seen this story before. I've seen the same movie last year. Um, but, you know, Rodgers is playing at an all-time high. And we know that. But over the years, I don't know, it's just the, the Giants fan in me thinking like, you know, they were invincible back then too and they still lost to us. So there's a chance that one of these other teams could really give them a, a challenge. Um, and I think it, it will be, um, you know, it will be, it won't be so easy for them to do, uh, you know, it won't be easy for them to win, I think, even without the 49ers being in the mix. That's just me. Um, the Bears, in terms of how they performed in this game, they, they started out well, but they couldn't keep it uh, going after, you know, the first quarter. Now, the Bears did make the postseason, which is uh, really surprising and crazy to say after the way they were losing games. They were 5-1. and one, They had lost six in a row or seven in a row, something like that. But they found a way. They found a way to sneak into the place in the playoffs. Maybe have saved Matt Nagy's job, possibly. Um, although that's not a guarantee. Trubisky has played okay, but has he done anything to make me believe he's the starting quarterback next year for Chicago? Absolutely not. Um, you know, their passing attack, you know, is a lot to be you know desired and. You know, they are in. And the reason why the Bears are in is because the Arizona Cardinals were not able to deliver in their biggest game of the season against the LA Rams. Uh, The Rams and the Cardinals played, you know, last night. uh, You know, both teams' playoff hopes were on the line. Both teams' playoff hopes were on the line. And... You know, it just did not work out uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray injured his ankle early, wasn't able to do much significantly, you know, to change the course of the game. He did try to come back, I think, late in the fourth quarter or early in the fourth quarter, but, you know, the Rams, sorry, the, the Cardinals were very promising. You know, they had, they got off to a good start, had a couple of injuries. They lost a couple of games that they shouldn't have lost. And their season just kind of fell apart, to be honest. Um, they lost to Seattle. The New England loss was a huge one. You know, and then they just could not, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't be the 49ers. You know, that was the biggest surprise of all because the Niners didn't even have, you know, all of their players and stuff. So the Cardinals were disappointed in a lot of different ways. The offense just just wasn't there for the Cardinals in this game. DeAndre Hopkins was frustrated, had a couple of costly penalties which set his team back. And he's still a great talent, but 
you know, Murray being kind of nicked up the last couple of weeks really did the Cardinals in, to be honest. Cliff Kingsbury did not coach well. This is where coaching has to show up. If your quarterback is a little bit banged up or not playing to your strengths, you've got to be able to find a way to get him going or to find some way to adjust certain things. But none of that happened. And what this game and what this really shows for the Arizona Cardinals, the quarterback they had um, as backup to Kyler Murray, I don't remember his name even, but he did not have a reliable quarterback back there. Somebody who could get you a chance to compete. And so I think one of the, Cardinals, one of the things the Cardinals have to address this offseason is getting a veteran quarterback in there to help Kyler Murray. Whether that veteran quarterback plays or doesn't play in case of emergency, you gotta have a reliable quarterback behind center to, you know, just to make sure you can preserve your franchise quarterback. Um, I think their offensive line is gonna need a lot of work because they just struggle to protect against the Rams. Uh, what a performance by John uh, Wolford. He really surprised. Uh, with a nice performance. I think he had two touchdowns on the ground. I mean, he played much better than I anticipated him to play. The uh, the Rams, you know, just made more plays. He was able to do a lot, um, you know, in terms of you know, yardage-wise. He was able to be, uh, you know, right there in terms of, like, you know, keeping the Rams, you know, in the game ahead and moving the chains was the most important thing. Now the Bears got in over the Cardinals because of a better tie-breaking record against teams with a, with a similar record. So, you know, it does kind of suck the Cardinals couldn't make the postseason. You know, they were a promising team. Their coaching lacked in certain areas. Kyler Murray um, didn't play as well in some games this year that they could have won. Uh, it would have been a different story if they had won those games. Um, but, you know, this is a learning season for the Cardinals. They're one of those teams that's right there in the mix or can be in the mix. But I think they're just going to need to do a better job of getting more playmakers or better yet trying to make that defense better in some areas because they didn't really pass rush as well. I think their secondary may need a change in their defensive scheme. Something has to change for the Cardinals. Either they get more players on both sides of the ball and try to, you know, cover it. But they need Kyler Murray to keep developing, keep playing well. But the Cardinals started out the season well. They weren't able to sustain that success. And that's something that in the offseason, this group has to be able to learn um, going forward if they want to be, you know, back in the mix. Um, so just going back to the Rams for a second, Jared Goff um, was, was hoping to play next week, but you know his, you know his, his the other quarterback that you know he shares the quarterback room with, and John Wolford, he did an excellent job once again. You know he made some very really key throws in this game. Um, you know he didn't commit too many mistakes at all. You know. The Rams defense just frustrated the Cardinals. And as long as the Rams bring their A game on defense on every possession, they will be a force in the NFC. Um, they have the team. They have the the you know core wide receivers. 
the playmaking ability, Sean McVay with his play calling, his style. They have what it takes to be a real threat to anybody in the postseason. And the team that they, they, they do play next week, um, even though the Rams haven't had too much success all the time against Seattle in primetime games, this might be a game that if things go right, the Cardinal, uh, the Rams, sorry, the Rams could make some noise and maybe knock off one of the favorites in Seattle. The Giants were able to beat the Dallas Cowboys 23-19. This was a much needed victory for the Giants. And personally, I wanted them to win this game. Not only because, you know, postseason hopes were on the line, but, you know, they had lost a number of games to the Cowboys. I think seven straight games to the Cowboys. I just wanted to see them win a game against Dallas. I don't care if it was against Dak Prescott and Elliott, but you know we had to find a way to win this game, and we did. We won this game um, behind our defense playing just well enough. Our offense looked okay. Daniel Jones showed some progress. I do have high hopes for him. Hopefully, with another offseason with Jason Garrett, with more um, additions to the wide receiving group, and getting Saquon Barkley back. I think the Giants will be at least better uh, early on in the season than they were this year. Sterling Shepard played a great game. He has been one of the best wide receivers for us this year. And our defense, you know, got better over the course of the season, played well enough to keep us in games. We finished 6-10. Uh, we needed a Washington loss to Philadelphia, which did not happen. Um, for all those Giant fans who are upset or kind of in a, in a bad mood because wherever the Eagles kind of pulled, um, to be honest, we were five. You know, we started 0-5. We won five. You know, we 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 were actually one in seven at some point, I think. And we won, you know, four or five games in a row. Um, we could have, you know, we just did not win the games against. Uh, we did not win the games that we had to win against winning teams with a winning record you know we didn't beat the Cardinals we didn't beat the Rams um, you know we didn't beat the Baltimore Ravens so as much as I would have liked the Giants to get into the postseason um, we honestly didn't deserve to be there in the postseason uh, I'm impressed by Joe Judge the way he coached our team our defense played better um, but we just lost too many games um, that we should have won this year or had a chance to win this year and you know it's all about you know postseason or not so the Giants season may be viewed as a bust for a lot of fans out there to me it's just more of a you know a stepping stone hopefully with Joe Judge and his ability to coach we've seen it now here and there this team could get back in the mix next year and have a better record I hope they do because I want to see that happen but Daniel Jones, you know, he looked fine. He looked comfortable at times. Made some okay throws. Made some good passes. That O-line will get better. I expect Andrew, Andrew Thomas to get better. Uh, but we did, did just enough to win this game against the Dallas Cowboys, who, quite frankly, need a lot of changes. But who knows where they're going to start with their changes, to be honest. One thing for sure, I don't think Dak Prescott should, you know, you know, they, they should sign Dak Prescott. They shouldn't let him go or, you know, not 
tried to sign him to a long-term extension. Dak Prescott got respect for decent quarterback. And even though he's placed with a team that I do not like, uh, for him as a person, as a player, I appreciate what he has done, what he's gone through to be at this position, you know, this year as a quarterback for the, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. And he couldn't play because of the, the injury he suffered. Um, but, you know, Dallas has a lot of things to work on for sure. And, you know, the Giants will get better, I'm hoping, with their roster having some notable changes, you know, in the off season. We'll see. We have to be, be more active um, in terms of just solidifying some of our defensive pieces, and we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, so it's very important that you know Giants from from this season just take take it forward that they they, they at least were able to you know win games, have you know develop some kind of rhythm. Um, and we're going to see now with a full off season and everything that does happen going forward if Daniel Jones can step it up and uh, prove why he was worth one of those top picks in the NFL draft a couple, you know, a year ago or a year and a half ago. Now, in other things that you know kind of took place in week 17, uh, you saw the Tennessee Titans you know, clinched the AFC South with a 41 to 38 victory over the of the Houston Texans. Derrick Henry topping 2,000 rushing yards, uh, one of the best running backs in football, the best running back in football this year in terms of his production, his level of effort, level of play, uh, really validated his contract and looked to do so. Tennessee's um, passing game came alive in this game. You know, we're going to see how well they can do it now against an improved Baltimore uh, Ravens defense. You know, that will be the key. As for the Houston Texans, um, Deshaun Watson is the franchise, is the quarterback of the future there. Very important that Houston this offseason drafts him, you know, the necessary parts around. He needs a wide receiver. He needs a lot of playmaking around him to be successful. That defense definitely needs a little bit of new life in terms of scheme and, and, and product, in the production of the linebacker spot, I would say. Again, they can do that, then they will have a good shot. Um... Uh, being maybe being able to compete, um, you know, next year. The Seattle Seahawks, the New Orleans Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all uh, with victories to end Week 17. It will be fascinating to see how and you know when will these quarterbacks really step up and play big time. We're gonna see, you know, will Wilson, Rodgers, Brady. You know, wish all these quarterbacks would really emerge um, to play in the NFC Championship game, and who will be the one to really make their stamp and signature on this NFL postseason? You know, will be fun to watch. The Colts and Titans both are in the postseason, as I mentioned a little while back. These are two teams that I think that nobody would want to face, 
just my personal belief. I think the Colts are going to be a really interesting challenge for the Buffalo Bills. And I look at the Tennessee Titans, the way they played last year, reaching the AFC Championship game. Uh, their style of play, Mike Vrabel's coaching. I expect really good things from, from these two teams and their efforts in wildcard weekend coming up next week. Uh, I'll end with this and talk about um, what a lot of people were, or were heated about or mentioned about this morning. So there's been a lot of conversation about Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, and the Philadelphia Eagles. And likewise, there's been a lot of chatter about the Washington football team. Now, Washington as a franchise has gone through a lot of losing, a lot of problems, a lot of things that haven't looked good over the years. But with the hire Ron Rivera and you know, Jason Wright, if I remember correctly, um, I'm, I'm mixing it up maybe, but you know, Washington hired the right people to take over this or take over this football team, and Ron Rivera. What an incredible uh, you know season he's had, battling cancer and being able to coach Alex Smith, uh, coming back from that you know tough leg injury a couple of years ago. A remarkable story. The Washington Football Team built a good defense. Obviously, we don't really know what their future quarterback looks like. Alex Smith was able to play last night against the Philadelphia Eagles, and he put forth a really good effort. Um, in any way you could expect him to do. And so the NFC East this year obviously was one of the worst divisions in football with every team you know, with a below 500 record. Washington, um, you know, they played hard on defense. Chase Young with an impressive rookie season. Uh, they really competed well, uh, stayed in the mix in a lot of games. And gotta give them credit where the credit is due. They are, they won the NFC East, whether it was, you know, given to them or not. Uh, they won the NFC East because they won more games in the end. So last night the game was 17 to 14, I think, in the fourth quarter, and Doug Peterson pulled Jalen Hurts out of the game for Nate, I think, Southfield. And you know, a lot of people view that as him just you know giving it up, kind of tanking and calling it a game. And a lot of people were really like disappointed and surprised by his so-called you know move there, not having the integrity for the game. The Philadelphia Eagles and Doug Peterson fully were aware what was on the line for the Washington Football Team and what was on the line for the Giants as well. And I would say that Jalen Hurts was given a chance to play quarterback after they benched Carson Wentz. After Carson Wentz was benched, Jalen Hurts came in, gave them a spark. Jalen Hurts deserved to play that fourth quarter. Whether or not he was playing well or not, you turn to Jalen Hurts as your quarterback. Yes, he had 72 yards passing or something like that. But he also had two rushing touchdowns in that game. And, you know, the Eagles and Doug Peterson, I mean, it's all about seeing what you have, right? What kind of quarterback do you want to have for this team in the future? Now, the reports are that Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson's relationship is you know, beyond repair. 
and Carson Wentz wants out. Um, I'm not sure if Doug Pearson took that into consideration. If he was just trying to like make a point here that he could win with any quarterback on the roster. But Jalen Hurts was a second-round draft pick. You know, started at Alabama. He played well. And this game, he could have been able to do something in that fourth quarter with all that time that was left in the game. Doug Pearson talking about giving Nate Sofield uh, snaps and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you want to close out your season on a winning note, right? Why would you want to lose a game or not try to win a game that, yes, nothing's in it for you, but, you know, you play for your pride. And I think a lot of people are questioning Doug Pearson and his, you know, his play calling, why he made that call. I'm one of those fans, one of those giant fans to be totally objective. I did not expect the Eagles to help us out in any way. I had a feeling that the Eagles were just going to not play this game to their standards. I thought that Jalen Hurts would give them a chance, uh, give the Eagles a chance to win this game. Um, but I didn't expect, you know, the Eagles just, just to kind of like, you know, do, do what they did. The Giants played good football this year. Could they have gotten? Possibly, yes, if the Eagles had played, um, you know, Jalen Hurts the entire fourth quarter. But that's, you know, give or take. And I'm at a point where I look at certain things and I see Doug Pearson. He's had a tough year. Obviously, a lot of things have gone through his mind. With, you know, he won Super Bowl three seasons ago and there's been talk about his coaching, his play calling, his switching with Carson Wentz. So, I had a feeling the Eagles, with their strained kind of atmosphere, with Carson Wentz being a healthy scratch, with not having, you know, certain people available, I felt like the Eagles were not going to be able to play well enough to win this game. I had a small belief the Giants could get in, but I, I honestly did not ex- expect, you know, the Eagles to beat the Washington football team. Because the kind of year the Eagles have had, there's hard to trust. And Doug Pearson proved that last night, you know. He obviously does not view of of Jalen Hurts that high or as a guy that he can win with. But you shouldn't have done that in the last game of the regular season, to be honest. <laughs> you know, you give Hurts a chance to get you some wins, and then the moment he loses a couple of games for you, then you go to Nate Southfield. So, you know, that being said, the Eagles have a lot of decisions to make. I, for one, am not overly angry as other Giant fans are about that decision to pull Jalen Hurts. He is a coach, after all, the Philadelphia Eagles. But this was a result of him just being too stubborn, too in his head about what happened with Carson Wentz, that he kind of took it out on Jalen Hurts and Nate Southfield. I don't think anybody expected Nate Southfield to play against the Washington football team, but he did. And that's why with Doug Peterson, you know, his coaching status now, to be honest, is kind of in a, in a gray area now, you know. He may or may not be back as coach. Very, very possible. Um, but he made the decision. These are what NFL coaches are paid to do. 
whether we like it or not as fans this is what they do they observe a lot of things they make decisions based on whatever they observe maybe Hertz wasn't doing that well according to Peterson to me I thought that if you've given Jalen Hurts some more time he could have found something better than what Nate Selfield gave you but then again it's all over now the NFC East is wrapped up I'm hopeful about the Giants next year uh, the Eagles have a lot of things to figure out they're a mess to be honest um, but we're gonna see what changes are made to these clubs in the offseason I am looking forward to you know super wildcard weekend break down all the games that will be taking place this year on wildcard weekend should be fun this is the time as an NFL fan that I love to see playoff games and you know view a lot of things so you know being objective here Giants didn't get in I'm okay with that I'm looking forward now to seeing some of the new teams in the playoff postseason especially the Cleveland Browns the Colts are back uh, we got the Buffalo Bills, we got the Chiefs, we got the Steelers, we got the Seattle Seahawks, Tampa Bay. It's going to be exciting um, to see how things transpire, um, you know, in this game and this weekend coming up in NFL postseason action.